Ephesians 3:14-19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, brother. So three months ago, I became a grandfather. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the questions that I've been asked uh, by you and others is, uh, does it take you back? Does it take you back to the day when you had your own kids when they were babies? And it does, actually. It, uh, it brings me right back. When, uh, when I look at Maya, my granddaughter, um, it's, it's been so fascinating to watch her kind of grow a bit. Uh, at first, she didn't make any noise except for crying. But more recently, she's starting to make these really cute cooing sounds. And, you know, before long, she's going to say her first word and then her second word, and it's, it's going to come. I don't personally remember uh, having taught my kids to speak. I mean, they speak. But I, I don't remember uh, teaching my kids to speak. And I know that there were times when I would read them a book and I would, you know, point and say, cow, nose, I. But I, I really don't remember teaching my kids how to speak. I think most of what they learned and the vast majority of their vocabulary came not by what was taught, but what was caught. Just by listening, listening to mom and dad speak, listening to their siblings talk. And, and that's how, you know, kids learn how to talk. And I think it's the same way when it comes to prayer. You know, when I think about prayer, most of what I know about prayer, it was never taught to me. I'm not saying there's nothing to learn in the Bible about prayer. Of course there is. It's just that most of the way that we know how to pray is it's, it's caught, not taught. It's, it's by listening to people pray. And this morning, we're going to listen to someone pray. Who? We're listening to the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was... Um, just, just an amazing guy, loved Jesus Christ, and he went to this city called Ephesus, and uh, he planted a church called Ephesians, and it's uh, the Ephesian church. And it was a really kind of crazy church. I mean, it was a church that was full of Jews and Gentiles, and they were having a hard time kind of understanding each other and getting along with each other. And, and then Paul... It throws this letter to the Ephesians. He, uh, he says, listen, guys, you're one family. You've been brought together by, by Jesus Christ. You're like one big family. And you have access to God through Jesus Christ. You have access to God to talk to him, to pray to him through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and as he's talking, he just sort of, I don't know if he just gets carried away, but he starts to pray. He just spills over in, in, into prayer. And uh, he says, he says there, for this reason, and the reason being because you are the family of God, because you have access to God, that's what's in the verse before what's in your passage or your text. And he says, for this reason, and he just prays this huge prayer. I mean, it's small, 
but it's big. It's, I think it's like a hundred words in English and it's, it takes like 30 seconds to read as you heard. It's, it's not a, a big, but it's huge. It's a huge prayer that Paul is praying here. And he begins this, that whatever the request he's going to ask, he's going to ask this request, hear, hear this, that it would be done according to the riches of your glory, God. Wow. Just before he even gets to the ask, he's like, God, I want you to answer this according to the riches of your glory. All that you are. I want you to pour out in answer to this prayer. And then here's the prayer. Look, here's the big idea this morning. He's praying for power. He's praying that you would know a kind of power. And then he breaks it down in these verses. He breaks it down into a couple of prayer requests. And here's one. One that you would have power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the first one. And the second one is this, that you would have power so that you would know the love of Christ. And that's what we're going to see this morning, this amazing cry for power so that A, Christ might dwell in your hearts through, uh, through faith, and two, B, that you would know the love of Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going this morning. So first, that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. And you'll see this in verses 16 and 17. Let me read it again. That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, there's a lot going on here. Do you notice that? I want you to stick with me. I want you to work with me here because there's a lot going on here, but it's amazing. The first thing he says is this, that you may be strengthened. That's pretty obvious. We know what that means to be strengthened. But what's strange is that he says that you would be strengthened with power. Doesn't that seem strange? Because what else are you going to be strengthened with but power? It seems repetitive. It seems redundant. What's it doing there? Why is he saying this? Because this is what he's, this is what he's doing. He's saying you need a kind of power that doesn't reside in you. The power that you're praying for has got to come from outside of you. Where? He says right here, through the Holy Spirit. Who's that? That's the third person of the Trinity. This is, this is the God. This is God the Spirit. This power, that we need, and you'll see why, has got to come from outside of us. It doesn't come from inside of us. It has to be prayed, prayed into existence. Where? In the inner being. That's what it says. What's the inner being? What's that? The inner being is, is you, but if you take away your body, that's what's left, your inner being. The outer being, your outer person is your body. The inner being is your soul the immaterial part of who you are. We know that because in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, staying with me, Paul says this, while our outer body or being is fading away, our inner being, that's our soul, is being renewed day by day. Right now, your outer being, your body, is fading away. Do you know that? How many of you know that? How many, no, honestly, how many of you actually know that? Okay, some hands are going up. The rest of you, you probably feel invincible, right? You do. I, I, when I was younger, felt invincible. Today, at my age, I have to work, I work out with a buddy twice a week. I have to. Uh, I, I take my vitamins, my meds, my water, 
I, um, I get at least eight hours of sleep in a day. I have to. But here's the thing. I, it's a losing fight. It is a losing fight. This is not getting better, okay? Um, this dad bod, I, I, I can't get away from it. It's here, and this dad bod, it's going to become a dead bod one day. It will be. I'm, Stringer is going to die. It's a downhill thing for me, and it will be for you. Look at these, these bodies. These, this outward being is dying. But the inner being, and that's what he wants. That's where he wants the power. He wants the power of God through the Spirit of God to find his way into your inner being. Why? Why? What does it say? So that, did you see that in verse 17? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Wow. He's praying. He's praying for the Ephesians and for you indirectly. And he wants us to learn how to pray for each other. He's praying that, that you would be strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit in your inner being so that, here's the purpose, right? Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now that may surprise you. How many of you are confused by that statement? Praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. If you're a Christian this morning, you should be confused. You should be. Because you might be thinking to yourself, well, look, I, I thought I was already, you know, someone in whom Christ dwelt. You know, why is he praying then that we, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith? That doesn't make any sense. It's confusing to me, and it should be confusing, because here's what the scriptures teach. When you become a Christian, Christ immediately indwells you. He dwells in your heart. We know that. Romans 8, verse 9 says this. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. In other words, Paul is not saying to these Ephesians or to you um, that he's praying for you to become Christians. He's praying to Christians, people who are already Christians, people in whom already Christ is dwelling, that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. In other words, what I think what I think he's doing here is he's praying that Christians in whom Christ is already dwelling would know what it is for Christ to dwell in their hearts more closely and more intimately than they've ever known. If that doesn't make sense, let me give you an illustration. Um, 1992. I'm living in Ottawa. Wendy is living in Toronto. We've known each other for like several years. We were engaged. But she was living in Toronto and I was living in Ottawa. I was going to seminary. I was working, uh, as a house painter for eight bucks an hour. My rent was 400, 400 bucks. Things were tight. I had a, I had a studio apartment. So small. And, um, man, things were tight. I had to get creative and I, uh, I would, I, I got some, um, newspaper print and I taped it to the walls and I, I sketched charcoal drawings and all over my, my, my apartment. That was my art. Okay. That was my art. My pantry was filled with the staples. Um, hot dog buns, peanut butter and, They, they were in the fridge. <laughs> I knew that much. <laughs> what else was in my pantry? 
Kraft Dinner. And I lived on that. And, uh, you know, when I looked around my, uh, my, 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 uh, studio apartment, it was just very much me. It was me. There was a lot of me in my apartment. And then Wendy got, and I got married. And Wendy moved into the studio apartment, and I realized I had to kind of make some space for her, and I had, she had to kind of like settle in to the house, and not so much me, but us. And then we were living in this incredibly small studio apartment, and things became, I don't know how to say this, very intimate, very quickly. And that's a little bit like what Paul's talking about here. You know, you can be a Christian... You can be a Christian and yet for a long time not really sense his closeness, not really sense any kind of heat or intimacy with Christ. And I want you to hear this this morning. I think that's a pretty normal experience. So I hope you're not sitting there going, oh, I'm bad. I think it's a very normal experience. I think the Ephesians were probably in the same boat. I think that's why Paul's praying these things for them. Because he knows he knows that, that this kind of intimacy, this kind of settling into your hearts, this kind of Christ dwelling in your hearts where, you know, you don't ask him to visit, but you're actually asking him to settle in and find himself a home. It's, um, it's not natural. It's not something that we can contrive or, or create ourselves. The power isn't in us for this to happen. It has to be prayed into us. Do you see that? I mean, good grief. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who is writing this letter to the Ephesian church. Word after beautiful word, he just stops talking. And he starts praying. Why? Because he knows his words are not enough. Even the Apostle Paul, his words are not enough. He knows that if, if, if this is to become a reality in our lives, it's got to be prayed into our lives, and it will come as God strengthens you with power through the Spirit in your inner being that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It has got to be born by prayer. Look at your hearts are busy places. I'm going to explain to you why it's got to be by prayer. Your hearts are busy places, aren't they? How many of you are busy? Forget your heart for a second, but just busy. How many of you are so busy, you just wake up and you're, you're just going from one thing to the next? Yeah? It just seems like there's not enough time in your day. It's this, it's that, and you're like, I just don't know how I'm going to get it all done. You're busy people. And some of you are just tired. If you want to, put up your hand. Are you tired? Are you gassed? Do you feel like, you know, you, you, you plug in the phone, so to speak, and you, you go to use it, and it's just like, it's just done. There's no, there's, the battery is just done. And some of you are just weary and weary of life. And I just think of some of the seasons that some of you have been in, you know, just the insane things that you've had to have to endure and the the difficulties, and it's just been one after another, and it's just like, wow, it's, I'm just weary. And you, and sometimes praying and reading God's word, you're just, you're just doing it. And it's, God bless you for that. You're just showing up, but man, it is a chore. And, and, and Christ feels so far away, and you don't, you don't feel any warmth or intimacy. You know what I'm saying? Like living in a studio apartment. 
And some of you are just hurting this morning. And man, some of the things that, that you have had to go through and the losses that you've experienced and the way they've just stacked themselves up one after another, you're just hurting. I think the Ephesian church was hurting. Where's Paul when he's writing this letter? He's in jail. He's in prison. And prison back then wasn't like, okay, you're going to spend a little bit of time there and you'll get out. No, this was the, the step on the way to execution. And Paul was. We know from Christian tradition that his head was cut off because of his faith. And this church, who loved Paul, who loved their pastor, knew that this man was about to die. They were grieving now you put that all together, friends. You put together the busyness of our hearts, and you put together the fatigue and the tiredness and the weariness of our hearts and the, the hurt and the pain. My gosh, is it any wonder that these things have to be prayed into our hearts that if we are to know what it is for Christ to settle down in our hearts by faith, it's got to be prayed. It's got to be prayed. There's just too much going on. There's too much happening. There's too much that could get in the way of that, and you know that. That's why I'm saying, and that's why Paul's saying, that if we are to know Christ, and I, and I mean more intimately, you know, it has to be by prayer. Do you see Paul? Do you hear him? Are you catching him this morning? Prayer is caught, really more than taught. So what do we do? Well, I personally, I think I should really just stop talking right now <laughs> before I start talking again. And I, I, I think it would be great for me just to pray for you, to pray this into your heart. And uh, I would love for you to join me. And join me for one another. Because I would love for us, and I do believe God would want this too, because it's right here, to be a church where we just don't know a little bit about Jesus, you know, but where we actually are experiencing him and ex experiencing him and experiencing him closely and intimately. Yeah. And what I'm saying from this passage, because Paul's teaching it, that doesn't come by any other way by prayer than by prayer. Okay? So it is responsible. It's the right thing now for me just to stop and pray for you and to ask you to pray with me for one another. Because I'm pretty sure that many of you this morning would love to know Jesus more intimately and more closely. Yeah? Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you that you make us into a family. And with that, you give us access to you, to the Father. Just like Randall began this, his prayer this afternoon, this morning rather, praying to you, our Father, as children, as siblings. And Father, uh, a lot of us this morning are just... There's a lot going on in our hearts, and it's, um, there's a lot that's competing with Jesus dwelling in our hearts through faith. And we are praying because we're learning how to pray this morning because Paul shows us that um, we need your power. 
we, we confess, Father, that there's really very little ultimately we can do for um, this experience, this growing experience. And, Father, we can put our way in the, word, in the way of your word. We can put ourselves in the way of community. All beautiful things, Father. Thank you for these things. But, Lord, we're learning that, that what Paul is saying here and praying has got to come by prayer. And so we pray, Father, for those who are weary and those who are discouraged. We pray for those, Lord, who um, are just overwhelmed with life and where there's just, it seems like, so little room for you. Father, I know, I know the heart cry of many in this room, and it's, it is for, for Jesus to... <sighs> Dwell, and dwell in a way where we are just so aware of his presence, of his nearness, consciously, intimately, beautifully. And we want that, Father. Would you do that? Would you hear us? And would you answer us according to the riches of your glory? And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, we're not done yet. And there's a second thing that uh, the apostle is teaching us to pray. We're, we're learning this and we're catching this this morning. And uh, the thing is this, that he's praying that you, would, that you would be strengthened, that you would know power. And a kind of power that enables you to really know and, and understand and grasp Christ's love for you. This, this, is, this is outstanding. And uh, I want you to look down again in your bulletins because I'm going to read from God's word again just so that we're, uh, we're familiar with it. And uh, I, here it is. You know what? I, I just don't know where it's gone in my notes. It doesn't really matter. But I'll try it and pick it up. Um, Oh man, um, he's praying. You know, would someone just read it loud so we can hear it? Yeah, nice and loud, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, so <laughs> this is huge. <laughs> this is huge. He's praying that 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 God would give you the power so that you're able to understand and grasp this amazing love of Jesus Christ for you. This is, this is outstanding. Um, I, think, I think that the love of God is one of the things that maybe more than anything else we need to grasp. And I think that if we really grasp that he does truly love us, that it would radically change our lives. I, I think that. I believe that. I think that if, if we could really grasp and know the love of Jesus Christ for us, it would so radically change our lives and our community, and it would just be a revival. And I think that this is what Paul wants. He wants for you to know the love of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that, that this concept of love is just, it can be a vague thing, and it can be a confusing thing, the way it's used in our culture. It's like, what even is that? What is the love of God? And uh, 
I, I love that Paul um, takes some time to actually break down and delineate what this love is. And he gives some dimensionality to this love. Did you notice that? Because he says, here's what I want you to, to know. I want you to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And then he stops. He doesn't finish it. Did you notice that? But it's, it's, it's obvious in some ways. It's the, the, the height and depth and length of what? Of, of the love of Christ. And to know the love of Christ, he goes on to be filled with all the fullness of God. I think the same thing. What's he praying? He's praying that you would be empowered and strengthened so that you are able to understand and grasp how great the love of Jesus Christ is for you. That's his prayer. That's his prayer. And this, this is not easy. It's not easy because it's confusing what love is. It's also hard because he talks about this love as being beyond what we can comprehend. Some surpassing knowledge of, of, of Jesus' love for you. How do you grasp what, what surpasses knowledge? Do you see the dilemma here? How, how can you know this love if it's difficult to understand and also because it surpasses understanding? Don't you see why we have to pray for this? We're not going to get this by ourselves. That ability is not resident within us. It's got to be prayed for. And so he's praying and we're praying that, that we might know, that we might know this love. And I love, I love the dimensionality he gives here because he helps us to kind of grasp what this love is. Do you notice that? He says this, that you would understand the breadth of his love. And I understand that to mean the wideness of his love. In other words, that his love is so broad and so wide that it encompasses everybody in this world, no matter who you are, no matter where you live. You know, the Christian faith is not a Western faith. It's not a white faith. It's a global faith. It's, it's his love is for all. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That so whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's global. That's wide. And I just, I wonder this morning as I think of you as a community. Actually, let's do an exercise this morning. Some of you, how many of you have been in Canada with your family for generations? Okay. How many of you are, are newer to Canada? How many of you are first generation Canadian? You were born here. Okay. How many of you are second generation like me? Okay, so your parents were born somewhere else. How many of you were, have parents who were born somewhere else or grandparents who were born somewhere else? I would be fascinated to just sort of hear where you're all from. Okay. I'll start myself. My dad's from Dublin, Ireland. Jesus found him in there. He came over and introduced our family to Jesus Christ. So I hear Ireland. Other countries. Just name them. I call them out. Tell me about your story, your family's story, and where Jesus found your family that was in Canada. North Korea. All right, North Korea. Do we have a South Korea here? South Korea, amen. How many of you, Hong Kong? 
mainland, mainland, mainland China, Brazil, United States, England, where else? Jamaica, amen, Barbados, where else? Where, Germany? Where else? Japan? Cambodia? Latvia? Beautiful. You know, hear, hear, hear that, friends. Just hear that. At some point, somewhere, not Canada, Jesus Christ made himself known to someone in your family. And that's largely why you're here this morning. This love that he's talking about is it is a wide love it's it's a it's a love that doesn't get hung up on geographical boundaries or certain ethnicities it is a love for all he loved the world so much that he gave his himself for the entire world that's a wide love but he goes on it's a long love to know the length and what i think he means here is that Listen, if, if, if you're a Christian this morning, you've got to know this. There, there's never been a time when he has not loved you. From all eternity past, he set his love on you in Jesus Christ. Before the foundations of the earth were laid, he loved you in his son, Jesus Christ. And he will never stop loving you. In his son, Jesus Christ, from everlasting to everlasting, his love is on you in Jesus Christ. That is a long, long love. And is deep. And I think what he means here is this. When you think about where Jesus was and where he came for you, oh, the depth of his love. Philippians 2, even though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself of no reputation, emptying himself and taking upon himself the form of a servant and being found in the form of a servant, he suffered even the death of the cross. Man, the heights that Christ was at and the depths to which he went for you to save you, man, that is love. That is a deep love. And it's high. And by that, I think he means this. That not only did Jesus come to die for your sins, he came to raise you to new life. And if you're in Christ, you've been raised to new life. And a day will come, and it will, when you die, and you'll be taken into glory with him. And a day will come when he will resurrect you, body and soul, and you will live in this new world that he's going to make. That's the height, the height of his love for you. That, that's a big love. That's a huge love. And I think it's very hard for us to grasp, even though he's given us the dimensions. It's, it's hard for us to grasp, and that's why I believe this has to be prayed into our hearts. It really does. And I'll tell you why. There are things in our life that make it very difficult to get this love. And I mentioned a few a few minutes ago, I talked about your busyness and the weariness and your fatigue and the pain. 
But man, there's something else that just often gets in the way of getting this love. And it's a sense of guilt and shame. And many of us in this room are immobilized by a sense of guilt and shame. We think about the things we've done. We think about the things that have been done to us. And we wonder, how, how could God love me the way that I am? Having done the things that I've done. Such a person as I am. Such a person as I've proven myself to be. How could he love me this way? I believe that unless we have the power to grasp this love, we won't get it. And I believe that the only way to get this power, friends, is to hear the word of God preached, yes, but to have this prayed into your hearts. I believe that. There's just too much going on. There's too much going on in these hearts. Too many barriers. And so it's for that reason, friends, that I want to pray for you again this morning, that you would grasp this love. But before I do, I want, I want to say a few things, because this is, a, after all, a visioning message, and I said nothing about being rooted in love, but it's right there. Paul says that the only way that you can actually experience this love is if you're rooted in love. And that means this, there was a time in your life when, when Christ found you, if he has at this point, and he put you in himself and he rooted you. And that's who you are this morning, you're rooted. And, and that rootedness gives your life a kind of security and stability because that's what roots do. I mean, they nourish, but they stabilize. I have a red maple in my front lawn. It's growing. And it's, um, when it's mature, it's going to be about 40 feet in height, maybe 60 at the most. It goes down, the roots go down about two or three feet, and then the spread goes out about 40 feet. That's why that thing doesn't fall over. Okay. You see, if you're a Christian, and I want you to hear this if you're not a Christian yet, this is what happens when a person becomes a Christian. They, they get rooted in Christ. And they get stabilized. And what that means is that they're now able to talk to God and ask for what Paul is asking for, which is the power to grasp the great, great love of Jesus Christ for you. And I wonder, what could it mean for you this morning if you're exploring this faith? And and what could it mean for you to be rooted in that kind of love where you're now able to actually finally grasp his great love for you? And what could it mean for us as a church to be a praying church? Praying because we're rooted in this love. And praying that we would know, in a way we've never known before, how vast his love is for us. You know, so vast that it can actually overcome and overwhelm that that terrible sense of guilt and shame that we have. And actually deal with it. And heal us. And make us whole and get us rejoicing and worshiping. So I'm going to pray. And I want you to join me as we pray.
And let's pray that God would just give us this power in our hearts, these busy hearts, so full of, of guilt and shame, it seems. The things that get in the way of knowing this love. Father, is there anything more important? Is there anything more urgent right now than for us to know this love? Father, we, I think all of us, I don't think, Father, there is a single person in this room this morning who says that they don't want to know that love more deeply. And there are some who just would long to get a, just a, a drop of this. And I pray, Father, we pray together that as a church, you would give us the strength and the, the ability to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height of your love for us. Father, we, we long for that. And we believe because we're rooted in love that that is for us. And would you please help us, Father, to be a church that prays and prays these things. We want, Father, for our prayers to be more than just jobs and health and good relationships. Father, these are things that everybody in the world who prays, prays for. We want to pray bigger prayers, Father. We want to pray this kind of prayer. We want to pray, Father, that your love would just make its way into our hearts in a way that we grasp it and know it and live out of it. Because, Father, I do believe that if, if we are to know, if we could know this love, if we could know it, so much would be so different and so beautiful. And so, Father, hear us, hear, hear us as we cry to you. Show us your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.